Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Tonight, it's a love story. Baby, just say yes. Um, We are in chapter three of Ruth, and tonight, it's a love story. Uh, If you haven't been with us for the past two weeks, we've been going kind of verse by verse, chapter through chapter, through the book of Ruth. Um, We don't necessarily have time to summarize the whole thing, but um, poor Naomi, her husband died, her sons died, one of her daughters-in-law left her, so it's Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, And they're alone, they're by themselves, they have no money, they have no food, they got nothing. So Ruth, Jordan talked about it, remember last week, she goes to the field and she starts gleaning. She starts picking, you know, picking wheat, um, trying to get food for herself and for her mother-in-law. She's in the field owned by a man named Boaz, and Boaz shows up at that field, remember, and he does one of those double takes, remember? He's like, who is that? Uh, Boaz notices Ruth, and he's he's like, "Who is that?" Oh, it's Ruth. He he goes up and he you know he talks to her. He it's the old fashioned way of sliding into somebody's DMs. You know he 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 has a face to face conversation with her, and 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 gets no. He gives her food. He gives her grain. He takes care of her. He protects her while she's out in the field. So Ruth goes home. Remember, she talks to um, her mother in law Naomi, and she's like, "I met this guy." You know, his name's Boaz. And Naomi's like, interesting fact about Boaz, he is one of um, my husband's, like, relatives, and he is a redeemer. And Jordan kind of just barely mentioned that. We're going to talk more about that tonight. So since it is a love story, I thought we could start by talking about famous love stories. My back screen isn't working, so I'm going to have to look off these. So some famous love stories. We got Aladdin and Jasmine. I can show you the world, right? Another one is Beauty and the Beast, Belle and the Beast, right? And, uh, you know, um, how many of y'all like the cartoon version best? How many of you like, like the new, like, like real person version the best? Okay. Um, there's also Simba and Nala. Can you feel the love tonight? Right? Um, you have Simba and Nala. A, a more recent one, you've got, uh, you, you've got Anna, or um, yeah, Anna and Kristoff, Right? You know what song I'd be singing with that one, right? Well, that is not Anna. Scandal! Scandal! There's another woman! <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> anyway, we don't, want, we don't want Elsa to be a homewrecker. But, you know, love is an open door, right? And then there's a... Uh, you gotta go, wait, 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 wait. Do what? Did I say something wrong? Okay, I'm going to keep going. The next one is an old one, Romeo and Juliet. Remember? Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Romeo's throwing, I don't know that Romeo is actually throwing pebbles, but Taylor Swift says that he was, so we're going to assume that he is, right? Because she was like halfway inspired when she wrote that song. So, um, so yeah, um, that maybe that's maybe the classic love story, but what's interesting in each of those love stories, there were roadblocks to the love story, Right? You remember with Aladdin and Jasmine, Jasmine was a princess, Aladdin was a what? 
Street rats, you're born a street rat, you'll die a street rat. I gotta stop quoting Disney movies. With, with Beauty and the Beast, well, the problem was the beast was a whole other species, right? Um, uh, that's a problem. Um, with Simba and Nala, remember Simba had like all this baggage and, you know, he'd been run out of the kingdom by Scar. Um, with Anna, with Anna and Kristoff, uh, what was the issue there? Everything. Yeah, I was going to say everything. What was the problem? What was the roadblock with Romeo and Juliet? They had like, well, they killed that. They ended up killing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a roadblock too. Um, but I was thinking primarily uh, that one family, one, yeah, their, you know, Romeo's family hated Juliet's family, and there's this clash. Remember, there's a roadblock. So in every love story, there's a roadblock that has to be overcome. So tonight, as we're talking about this love story, I want you to think about not the roadblocks between you and you getting a date. We can't deal with that tonight. <laughs> that, that takes more than we can deal with tonight. But the roadblock, the roadblock we're going to be talking about tonight is, are the roadblocks that you're facing in life, like COVID and everything that it canceled for the past year, we're going to be talking about roadblocks like you know, the, the home that you live in. We're going to be talking about, when you think of roadblocks, maybe you, you think of like you know, where you feel like you don't measure up to other people and you're not as talented and you're not as, as, as gifted as other people. Um, maybe the roadblock for you is, is like an anxiety, it's like a mental thing, or maybe it's a, it's a medical thing. Um, there are a lot of roadblocks we face, but the biggest one that we face, the one that everybody faces, is the roadblock of sin. We spent a whole series, remember the Life in Six Words series, we spent the whole, a whole series talking about how sin separates us from God. And just like there was a roadblock in all those Disney movies that those lovers kind of had to overcome, right, to make it a love story, and just like we're going to learn that Ruth and Boaz, there were some roadblocks that they had to overcome, the greatest roadblock that we would ever face Sin was overcome by Jesus in this story of redemption when he bought and paid for our sins and for us on the cross. So the big takeaway tonight is that redemption isn't a transaction. It's not just like, I'm going to pay this money and redeem you. Redemption isn't a transaction. It's a love story. You got to say it like that. You got to say love story. Look to the person next to you and say love story. That's not creepy at all, is it? Okay, um, so if you have your Bible, open up to Ruth chapter 3. We're going to get into this love story. And I, I'm, I think it's good that we're, uh, we're celebrating Ruth um, because it was International Women's Day on Monday, right? Um, so so, so go, go, go women, go Ruth. Um, Ruth is one of two books in the Bible that is named after a, a woman. The other one is Esther. We did that a couple years ago. That was fun. Remember, we acted it out. Um, some of you that were here, we acted it out. It was fun. Um, but we're in Ruth chapter 3. So turn to Ruth chapter 3. And once you get to chapter 3, back up like just a couple verses. We're going to pick up where Jordan left off in Ruth chapter 2, verse Verse 20. Remember, this is when Ruth comes home and says, I met a guy, you know, I met a guy and he gave me grain. <laughs> that, that's a big deal back then, I guess. So in verse, in verse number 20 of chapter 2, this is what Naomi says when Ruth tells her who she met. She said, um, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may, may he be blessed by the Lord, meaning Boaz, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said, said to her, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. What does she mean by redeemer? Redeemer is the theme. So every time redeemer shows up, I'm going to have it in yellow on the screens. What, what, what does she mean by this man is one of our redeemers? I got to explain something to you that in 2021 might sound a little strange. It actually might sound a lot of strange. But when Ruth lived, 
a couple thousand years ago, it was a gift from God that made a lot of sense. And here's the big technical term for those of you who like technical terms. It's called Leverite marriage. It sounds nice. Okay. Well, here's how it works. Here's how it works. Here's the problem. When someone was, when, when a husband and wife, you know, they were, you know, married, whatever, when a husband would pass away, this was just the way things were back then. It doesn't excuse it, but it's the way things were. It was a very male-driven culture, and there were laws, and there was just like a general like agreement among men that they wouldn't let, it's, it's terrible the way it was, they wouldn't let women own property, they wouldn't let women buy and sell. Um, so what would happen if a woman's husband passed away? She would have no way to make money. She'd have no way to you know, even possess her own land. She was in a bad spot. So what all that was going on there in the Middle East, it was called the ancient Near East. And what God did when he carved out his own people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, he said, now things are going to change. Widows aren't going to go without food and without being cared for. So what he instituted was something called this, this, this marriage where if a husband passed away and his wife had no son, one of the husband's relatives was duty-bound to marry that widow. And after they were married, it had to be someone who wasn't married already, and after they were married, that he would give this widow a son so that the family line could continue. Like I said, remember? I said it might sound a lot of weird in 2021 or 2021. 2021. I'm talking baby now. But it was a gift from God to care for people that nobody else cared about back in the, in, in the ancient times. So, for example, I have two brothers. This is going to get really weird. I have two brothers, if, if, and, if, and I don't have a son. So if I were to pass away um, and I didn't have a son that I left, then my... <laughs> then my brother Danny, who is not married, would be duty-bound to marry April. If Danny were to croak, then my little brother, Brandon, would be duty-bound to marry her. But see, it sounds kind of weird to us now. But I hope you can see the compassion to which that law was, God instituted that to where he didn't want widows, he didn't want orphans to go uncared for. So when Naomi said, this man is one of our redeemers, it means he was, he's related to my husband who passed away. He's one of those people who is duty bound to take care of us and care for us. So are you following me? It's still weird, okay? Well, just, it, 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 it's different for us, but we understand what we're talking about. So now we can go into chapter three. It says, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Every day, uh, Ruth was going to these, this field and just getting up you know, heaps and heaps of grain, and she must have been jacked because she was carrying all this grain. Jordan was talking all this grain back home every day. I mean, she was a strong woman. But she says, this isn't, Naomi says, this isn't right. You're going to have to do this every day for the rest of your life because you can't, we, we can't own property. We can't. You need rest. So that's the problem. Ruth needs rest. She needs to be cared for. Naomi's solution, verse 2. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. She said, hey, Ruth, what do you think about a, a Boaz? Remember that guy you met? He's one of our redeemers. You know, she's, you know, 
You ever have your parents try to set you up with someone? Or maybe you're too young for that. Yeah, this is kind of what's going on here. And she says, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. What in the world is that? Well, back, yeah, back when they would harvest barley, what would happen is the barley would be in this long stalk. And what they do is they'd harvest all the barley from the fields and take it to a threshing floor outside of town, which was just like a stone floor with some small walls built around it. And what they would do is they'd take a fork. You ever see people with pitchfork and hay type stuff? They'd take a fork and they'd throw the barley stalks in the air. And what would happen is the wind would catch the, what's called the chaff from the barley stalk and blow it away. And the wheat, which you could eat, would fall to the ground because it was heavier, heavier. So they'd be going, I mean, if you have allergies, it'd be a terrible job. So they're just you know, throwing it up, you know, throwing it up, throwing it up and it would take days and days and days and they had to do it before before the 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 barley and stuff would go bad so she's like hey Boaz is down there all by himself you know at the threshing floor doing his thing tonight here's what I want you to do wash therefore let's take a bath that was a big deal back then. People didn't bathe very often. She's like, first thing you do need to do is you can't stink. Because I'm going to ask, she's going to ask Ruth to ask Boaz to marry her. So first of all, you, you can't be smelling like, you know, you just came straight from the farm. So wash yourself and anoint yourself. Now that had to do with like perfume and uh, that, that word. Yeah, they would, they would anoint themselves with like oil that would smell good. And they would also like oil their faces up and you know how you you know how you guys paint the barn you know when you get your girls get up in the morning you put the mascara on your cheeks and the eyeliner and all that stuff and however it works I don't know um but she's saying do your thing you know do your thing you know, get, get you get you take a bath you know put on your makeup put on your cloak go down to the threshing floor but do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. She said, get all dressed up and then creep on him, right? Uh, you'll watch him. Don't let him see you, okay? <laughs> but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then, this is, it's going to get weird. Then go uncover his feet. I hate feet. I hate feet. Go uncover his feet and lie down and he'll tell you what to do. Okay, if I'm Ruth, I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> I ain't doing it, Naomi. But listen, Ruth that Ruth trusts her mother-in-law so much that what does she say? She says, all that you say, I will do. So the problem, Ruth has no one to care for her. The solution, ask Boaz to marry you by uncovering his feet. So now here's how it happens. Verse 6, we go to the threshing floor. She went down to the threshing floor just and did just as her mother-in-law commanded her. Boaz had eaten and drunk. You know, he... he you ever, have you ever been um, working hard all day and then you have this big meal and you're just like, oh. You know, after Thanksgiving, you have that big meal and you just like lay comatose on the couch watching the Dallas football uh, yeah, team win. Um, so he, he, he's just feeling good. He drifts off to sleep because when people would be winnowing barley, they would sleep by their like stack of grain because they had to protect it if people were to come in and steal it. So he's sleeping down here by this barley grain. Um, he he, he says, says his heart was merry. He felt good. He had a good meal. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. She came softly. I always think of the cartoon, you know how cartoons sneak up. They're like, she comes softly, not to wake him up. She it says in verse, uh, verse 7, she uncovered his feet and she laid down, like kind of, I guess, close to where his feet were. Verse 8, at midnight, the man was startled. Why was he startled? Well, if the covers come off your feet, don't you wake up? 
You know, when that, your feet get cold, you're like, what happened? Who stole my covers? You know, and it's, but this is, this is the best, this is the most understated, one of the most understated verses in the Bible. It says, at midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. <laughs> like, like some of you guys, like you're like, this is my only hope to ever get a girlfriend. Like, like, like I'm just going to wake up one night and there she is, right? But a woman lay at his feet. Verse nine, he said, who are you? You know, he knows who Ruth is, but it, remember, it's dark. The traditional Middle Eastern clothing would, she, her, she'd have the, she, she, she'd have a covering over her head. So it, w- it would make sense that he doesn't recognize her. And then here's what Ruth says. She answered, I am Ruth, your servant. And this, th- this is love language here. Okay, ready? Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Might as well just say, it's a love story, baby, just say yes. Spread your wings over your Redeemer. Um, that, that, what they, what they learned is that was um, a, euf- a euphemism. That doesn't make much sense to many people. It was, it was a way of speaking which a lot of people would refer to being married. So Ruth is actually asking Boaz to marry him at this point. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a, and there's that word again, remember, Redeemer. Okay. You wake up, some girl's laying at your feet and ask you to marry him. Yes. It's like that meme of the girl that's like, hey, you know, like, <laughs> like run, <laughs> you know? But Boaz doesn't run. He says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first because you've not gone after the young man, whether poor or rich. Boaz was a little bit older than, um, a little bit older than Ruth, you know? He was robbing a cradle a little bit. So, so he's, he's, saying, he's saying, you know, you're not just going after the, like, the hunkiest guy around, like, 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 like you're, you're, you're being honest and whatever. And he, and he says, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all that you ask. Boaz says, yes. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. That Hebrew word for worthy woman appears two other times in the Bible, both in Proverbs, one in Proverbs chapter 12, one in Proverbs chapter 31, and they both are translated a worthy wife or a good wife. So Boaz is telling Ruth, you're wife material. You, 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 see, you see the love, you see, you, you, this is a love story, right? She says, spread your wings over your servant. He says, hey, you're wife material. So there, this, is, this is not just a transaction. This is a, a love story. And by the way, a lot of the old Hebrew Bibles put Ruth after the book of Proverbs. So you have Proverbs uh, one, uh, 31 talking about a godly woman and a worthy wife. And then you have the book of Ruth, which is like a, a story of one of those women. So it's really interesting. Anyway, we got to keep moving on, don't we? He says in, in, in verse 12, here's the, here's the problem though. Here's another roadblock. He says, now it's true that I'm a redeemer. I'm one of those people who's related to your mother-in-law's, your deceased husband. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I, meaning there's somebody closer in that line. Just remember how I said, like, not to bring it up because it's weird, but, you know, how, how it'd be my older brother first, then my younger brother. You know, there, there is someone who is closer in line, and by, by the law and by the honor code, I have to talk to him first and make sure that he's okay with me marrying you. Weird times and weird setup. But that's a problem, right? But look, he says, if he will redeem you good, let him do it. And he's not saying like, it's whatever, I'll marry you, I might not marry you, whatever. He's, he's not saying it like that. He's saying, if he will redeem you, that, I'm thankful that you're cared for. I'm thankful that you're, you're gonna be provided for. But if he's not willing to redeem you, 
as the Lord lives, he's making an oath and a promise, I will redeem you. Then he says, lie down until morning. He says, stay with me. Now we go to verse 14. So she lay at his feet till morning. I guarantee they did not sleep. Naomi, or Ruth is laying there thinking, first off, this is kind of weird. Secondly, I wonder if this other guy is going to um, get in the way of me marrying this, this guy that I want to marry. Boaz is over here thinking through all these things. In his, he, he, Boaz thinking this whole foot thing's weird. He's also, he's also thinking, what if this guy says yes? How can I talk this guy out of it so I can marry this, this, this girl that's wife material? All right? so, so, but then in, he says, they arose before the morning. So they couldn't, before one could recognize another, and he said, let it not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. We don't want to get rumors started here. So, Ruth, you go home. I, yeah, I'm going to go take care of this business. He said, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. And he measured six measures of barley. It doesn't say what measure, but it was probably what's called a C. So he, he dumped like 30 pounds into, into Ruth's um, cloak of barley, of food to take home to Naomi. So remember, Ruth is jacked. You know, she's strong. She's carrying 30 pounds home. Verse 16, when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it fare, my daughter? <laughs> How'd it go? <laughs> well, I didn't get a husband. I got a sack full of grain. You know, she's like, 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 like dra- dragging it into the house. And then she told her all the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me because he said, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She, Naomi, replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For this man will not rest until he settles the matter today. So we're going to leave off, you know, we're going to leave off here. Next week, we're, I know, suspense. I got to build the suspense. Next week, we're going to talk about what happens. Does Ruth get, and Boaz, do they get to be married? Does the love story happen or not? And as you could probably figure out, it does, right? Because it's a love story. But um, we're, we're going to stop there. This is going to be a two-part lesson, okay? So before we get, before we wrap it up, I want to make a couple observations. Hold on. I want to make a couple observations about this story, because all we've done is just realize how awesome this story is. We haven't applied it to our lives. The first thing that we need to know is the theme here is the Redeemer, if you start in verse 12 and go to verse 14, it says, Redeemer, Redeemer, Redeem, Redeem, Redeem. So what do you think the main point of this chapter is? Redeem, redeem Redeemer. Why, do, why should we care about that? Because this is not, Ruth is not the only place where the word redeem appears. In our New Testament, describing what Jesus did for us on the cross. You know the language that God used? Guess. Redeem, right? Why did God choose to use the language redeem to a primarily Jewish audience? It's because they all knew the story of Ruth. And when God told us that he redeemed us through Jesus, he wanted us to understand that he did it as part of his love story to us. Don't believe me? I'm going to wrap, Drew, get ready. Limber that finger up. You ready? We're going to rapid fire some verses here. Romans 3, 23, 24 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 20 and 7, 23 use that same word, but they use it as the word bought. It says you were bought with a price. And in the verse 7 or verse 23, it says you were bought with a price, talking about how Jesus paid for us. Ephesians 1, 7 about Jesus, it says in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 says he's delivered, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, in whom... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So when Jesus died on the cross, he purchased us for himself. 
He redeemed us, and it wasn't just a transaction. It was a love story. And here's what's really cool. You want to know what you're going to be doing in a few years? I've got a quote from you from the future. Yeah. It's in, Re- do I, yeah. it's in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. It talks about when we're all gathered around the throne and we see Jesus for the first time. You want, this, these are your words. You know what you're going to be saying to Jesus when you see him for the first time? You're going to tell Jesus, you're going to say, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So this is an important thing for us to understand. When we sing that song to Jesus, we're not just gonna be saying, oh, it was nice that you paid that price for us. We're gonna say, thank you for loving us enough to pay that price for us. So what are some things that we should learn from this this story? I think the first thing in every love story, character counts. Uh, We see Ruth and we see Boaz and we see them living as moral people. We see that they have integrity. They're doing the right thing even when nobody's watching right? Um, We see them being morally pure in a situation that maybe a lot of people would not have been morally pure. There's some people that try to, you know, in every class, there's always that one pervert that sits in the back of the class and makes everything perverted. And there are some people that that have read this story and they've written about it, and they've they've, they've taken it to mean that, that Ruth and Boaz did something immoral together, or that maybe Ruth had dressed provocatively to try to, you convince Boaz to marry her. There's nothing in this passage that even suggests that. What we find is that we find in the midst of a culture at that point, remember they were living in the times when the judges ruled and it was a very immoral time, Boaz and Ruth are examples of moral virtue in making the right choice even though a lot of people around them were not. They say actually that during that time the threshing floor had been a place where, when, where men would work and they would hire prostitutes to come and sleep with them during their, during their rest times. So up against what was the cultural reality there, we have Ruth and Boaz who are pictures of moral virtue and moral purity. So character counts. Character is important. That's why Belle doesn't end up with Gaston. Right, Because character counts. But here's, as we're thinking about what Jesus did for us, though, we could never be moral enough. We could never be good enough and virtuous enough. We could never have enough integrity to fix our sin problem. That's why Jesus came to the world and lived the only totally morally pure, totally virtuous, totally sinless life on our behalf so that when he died on the cross, he could pay for our sins. So Boaz and Ruth are a picture that foreshadow Jesus. The next thing we learn, in every love story, character counts, but also in every love story, someone has to make the first move. Or in modern day language, somebody has to text first. Hey, guys, up here. Somebody has to text first. Somebody has to message first, right? And we see, who, who, who makes the first move here? Ruth or Boaz? Ruth makes the first move, doesn't she? That was that was counterculture. Women did not, at that time, it was, it was looked down upon for women to even approach men, much less you've got Ruth saying, will you marry me? But when Ruth approached Boaz, she used this ancient Near East custom of uncovering the feet, waiting for the person to wake up and asking him to marry him. Because not only was Ruth a woman, he was a man, Ruth was younger and he was older. So Ruth takes the initiative. But then what does Boaz do? 
<laughs> I'd be a little skeptical. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm not saying you're a gold digger, but you ain't messing with no broke, uh, no broke uh, Hebrew here. Uh, you know, um, am I okay, John? Okay. Uh, you, you see what... But Boaz just totally trusts Ruth because he knows that she's virtuous. He knows that she's, she's a moral woman. He says, I will marry you. You see both of them almost taking a risk, right? Making, the, making these first moves and, 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 and stepping out on faith. But here's the problem. Ruth and Boaz are not pictures of us. They're pictures of Jesus. Because when it came to our sin problem, who made the first move? Romans 3, chapter 10 says that none are righteous, none seek after God. It wasn't that we went after God, it's that God came after us. So when we're talking about redemption here, looking forward to what Jesus did on the cross, he made the first move. The final thing that we learned. So somebody had to make a move. The final thing is it was destined to happen. Jordan talked about it last week. Talking about a little bit this week, how everything that happened in the life of Ruth and Naomi, the difficult times, the times where they probably just wanted to go, you know, out of frustration, you know how that feels. We see God working in the background to create this beautiful love story. Talking about in our life, when Jesus redeemed us, I think about Galatians chapter 4. When it says that in the full, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son to redeem us. Before you were born, before your parents were born, before Ruth and Boaz was born, before Adam and Eve were born, before the world was created, the Bible says that God had a plan to redeem us. So just like Ruth and Boaz were destined by God to meet, just like your favorite cartoon character, Disney characters, you know, fate brought them together. God and his sovereignty and his plan brought us together with Jesus. He sent Jesus to die for us. So we're gonna be talking more about redemption next week, but we have to remember that redemption isn't just a transaction. Redemption is a love story. It was a love story between Ruth and Boaz. It's a love story between Jesus and us. So I'm gonna give you three R words real quick because we're gonna run out of time. Three R words real quick. And the first is raunchy. <laughs> How do we take what we've learned here and apply? The first is raunchy. In the midst of a raunchy culture, commit to developing godly character. Other people in the situation that Ruth and Boaz were in could have really messed it up. The reason that they were morally pure, the reason they stayed virtuous and could be an example to us is because underneath their lives were the roots of godly character that took years to develop. If we want to find ourselves in a situation, you know, some, some of you, may, maybe you find yourself in situations where you, you don't have that godly character and you're, you're drowning in, in pornography or you're drowning in, 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 in things that you know don't please God. Now's the time to start building those roots in your life and you're not going to build it by listening to Cardi B and Bro Country. You're going to build it by opening this book, allowing God to transform your lives. The next thing, risk. Don't be afraid to live adventurously for God. We see Ruth and we see Boaz taking what maybe we would say risky. <laughs> you know, going down and proposing to a guy on a threshing floor uncovering his feet in the middle of the night, maybe a little risky. You know, saying yes to that girl, <laughs> a little risky. But what we see is it was God's plan. I got, I, uh, one of you told me um, a week or two ago, uh, Matt, I, I really worked myself up and I, I worked up the courage to call some, one of my friends and tell them, 
about how they can be saved and tell them about Jesus. And I went through the life in six words thing, the gospel acronym. That takes a little risk, doesn't it? That takes guts, but that's living adventurously for God. You're not gonna have the Ruth and Boaz life, love story in your life if you don't take some risk for God. And the final thing is rest. Rest in the redemption that we find through Jesus. We can't fix our sin problem. But Jesus in his love for us, through this love story, sent Jesus to die for us. And we're gonna be talking more about that next week. But that's all we can do for now. Next week is relentless redemption part two. Okay? So let's pray and we'll make like a baby and head out of here. Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us together tonight. Thank you for this story and, and what an incredible story it is. And it reminds us, um, God, not just how virtuous you've called us to be, but it reminds us how you love us. It reminds us that redemption isn't just a transaction. It's not just some sterile thing. It's, it's a story of how much you love us, and we thank you for that. Um, God, I pray for teens here tonight, maybe teens that are struggling with some of those, some of those things that we talked about, pornography and, and lust and addictions. God, I pray that they'll find freedom. I pray they'll find someone to talk to, talk to their parents, talk to a youth leader. God, I pray that as we leave, uh, we will be so thankful for the love that you showed us through Jesus. And we thank you for these examples, Ruth and Boaz, who point us to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.